0: I know. Roll Go. Do it. Hi, everyone. This is Ron Valencia, and you're listening to Back of the Tracks. Uh, welcome aboard part one of my One Louder Tribute podcast. Um, I'm planning on doing several... Parts to this. I don't know how many. It just depends on how many people uh, want to chime in and be a part of it. I have scheduled a super fan of One Louder that I'd like to talk to and ask some questions about what she remembers from the One Louder band days. And uh, I'm hopefully going to get some uh, current and for- former band members to come on here as well. Tonight's part one is going to be my backstory and the way I saw things. And I will also have some audio clips and video clips for a YouTube video that I'm going to create about this experience. Um, But that'll be at a later date. As for the audio clips, I will intersperse them within this podcast. So please stick around for the whole thing so you can hear some of the cool, funny moments at rehearsals. And I have performances. And we're going to talk about all that stuff. So... If you're a One Louder fan, you already know this was uh, a a generational thing, obviously, Uh, being an 80s hair band, um, and we had played for so long, or the band had played for so long. There's just a lot of people that identified with the 80s hair band and uh, style of music, you know, uh, Bon Jovi, Cinderella, Poison Rat, I could go down the list, Uh, ACDC was a big part of it, Um, so... Over the years, we obviously evolved and changed a little bit. For the most part, though, we stayed in that genre. And if you were a fan of that genre, you were likely a fan of One Louder. So here's my backstory. So first of all, uh, I played drums. That was my main instrument throughout all my life. So when I was 13, I went my first day of high school and started playing drums and just never stopped. That is until a college college professor had told me, he goes, Ron, it's one thing to play drums and it's all fun and dandy and you might even meet some girls one day. But if you really want to make a living, learn how to play piano or keyboards. So I took that to heart and I really did start to practice uh, not only my drums, but I tried to practice uh, piano as often as I possibly could and keyboarding. So throughout the years, I was building up some skills and building up some repertoire as I was also playing in bands as a drummer, um, one band after another as a drummer. It was kind of like second nature. If you know a band asked me to play for them, it took no time at all for me to learn songs, to fill in, or to play um, as a drummer. It was just, that was my knack. Uh, keyboards, however, I did get the opportunity to play for a couple of bands um, via keyboards, and I have some crazy stories about that. I'll share it at a later time. But... Uh, <laughs> It took a little while for me to really get honed in on that whole idea of standing in one place and just moving your arms, as opposed to sitting down and rocking, you know, on the drum set and everything like that. So it took a little bit of time, anyway. So, without me belaboring that point, I was at a Ravens football game. Yes, I was at a Ravens football game, and there I had season tickets, and the people in front of me had season tickets as well. One of them is Randy Smith. Randy Smith, if I'm not mistaken, was the original drummer to One Louder back in, I guess, 2002. We'll get Eric to verify all that information later. Um, If you know it, put it in the uh, comments section to wherever you're finding this podcast. And uh, so Randy, I believe, was the first drummer. He was the first drummer I was aware of. Anyway, he was sitting in front of me, and he remembered a conversation that we had about me playing keyboards. And he turned around to me after you know one of the games and he just said, hey, didn't you say you played keyboards? And I was like, "Well, yeah, yeah, I try. <laughs> and uh, he said uh, – he goes, look, I'm in a band. This is what we're doing. We do 80s rock and roll. We do hairband music. We do anything from that genre and so forth, <clears throat> even some class- classic rock songs. And he said, hey, we, we are thinking that our keyboard player is leaving. Would you like to come in and audition? And I was like, well, I don't know. Let me get back to you on that, Uh, which is weird for me. I I guess if if he was saying, hey, we need a drummer, I would have been like, oh, yeah, sure. Count me in. But since it was keyboards, it was a little bit different. Um, It's not an instrument I was playing all the time or very, very proficient in at the time, actually. Um, So he asked me and then I had a very good friend – you know, I was talking to her and, and she once I told her what had happened and they asked me to audition and she just looked at me and she said, "Why wouldn't you?" <laughs> it was that simple. I was just like, "Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, good point. Why wouldn't I?" So, I went to the audition and when I I came in and I came in brought all my gear. We were rehearsing at the guitar player's house at the time. So, loaded in um it was it was a lot of fun. I had seen the band, I think once or twice before this audition, and uh, I thought they were really good, and I liked them. Got a lot of energy on stage, and just the music, I loved it. So then I auditioned. They they somehow let me in, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'll, I'll tell you, it was um, it was a fun experience, but it was a lot of work for me because, again, playing drums. I can listen to a song once or twice, be ready to go. Being a keyboard player, I had to make charts, (laughs) had to have the right equipment. And let me tell you, that band played loud. So I had to buy like (laughs) all kinds of amplifiers. If you haven't seen Spinal Tap, (laughs) go see Spinal Tap. Please go see Spinal Tap if you have not seen it. I'm imagining pretty much that everyone listening to this right now has seen Spinal Tap. And the reason why I bring that up is because the whole premise of one louder is based on the the uh, the movie uh, Spinal Tap, where they have a guitar amp that actually turns up to eleven, and because it's one louder, it's one more than ten, and it's it's quite funny. And when they say they were one louder, they really were. So I remember my first rehearsal with them; even rehearsal was just just incredibly loud. So I had to get used to that. We did that, and that was fun. Um, so they so they hired me, and I was in the band. So right away, I was learning songs as fast as I possibly could. Um, fast forward a little bit of time. We were playing on stage, and um, we were gigging a couple of nights a month, uh, as many as four or five a month, I think, is maybe a max that we've hit. And I think as little as uh, we took maybe a month off. Um, We were pretty steady there for a while. We were one of the – I would say probably one of the more popular bands in the whole area, uh, especially southern Maryland. We had a great connection uh, when Tony Moschetto joined the band as um, our drummer um, a little ways after Randy left. Um, when Tony came in, he had a loyal fo- following of his own down in southern Maryland. So every time we played down there, like all his friends came out and and next thing you know, we as the band won Louder just generated a lot of interest in that area. So we used to play uh, the Tiki Bar, Vera's. I'm trying to think there's probably one other place. I'm just not remembering off the top of my head. We also played in Solomon's Island and – and areas like that. So we were, we were, you know, a lot, a lot of times we were in Southern Maryland. It was a little bit of a drive, but it was a lot of fun. So we had a, a great Southern Maryland following, which actually led to one of our biggest gigs ever, and I'll get to that in a little bit. So anyway, um, so I joined the band. Randy's the drummer, and um, he had something else going on that he was working on, and I'm, I'm not sure of all the details. I'm hopefully going to get Randy on here. Um, to tell his side of the story, but he ended up uh, meeting up with another group, and I believe um, his now wife was the singer of that group. So again, I'd rather him tell you straight, exactly from his point of view, how that occurred. And we hired a guy named Dave. He was a really, really cool drummer, uh, very fun guy. Uh, I remember him having Muppets on his drum set. Um, that seemed to be an in thing. He wasn't the only one actually. We've had a few drummers that had Muppets on the drum set. Um, you know, I never did that. I don't know why I just never did that. Um, so anyway, Dave did that for a little while and uh, he was he was a pretty good drummer, liked him a lot. He was a real nice guy. He moved on. We got a guy named – well, I'm going to call him Sticks. So, I'm going to call him Sticks because I'm going to tell you a story that might embarrass a few people. But hey, I want this to be unplugged a little bit. You know, I want this to be a little bit raw. So, here's what's happening. So, D- Dash is the lead singer of the band. Um, he was also a police officer at the time. And he, uh, you know, he was in charge. I mean, it was his charisma that was selling the band a lot. So it's the things that he said over the microphone. It's how he performed, the energy he put out. That is what got people excited and energized in seeing one louder. And then you have a crazy guy like Eric and on guitar. And he was fam- – oh, let me tell you, Eric is just a phenomenal guitar player. And then at the time, if I'm not mistaken, I think Sean was our bass player at this time. So Sean ha- was our bass player when I th- – First, joined, if I'm not mistaken, and then he left and eventually came back. So um, I believe that's how it goes. Hopefully, Sean will be able to verify that. But anyway, uh, moving on. So this is the uh, fun, kind of embarrassing story, kind of a, you know, behind the scenes type of thing. Well, when you're playing live, there's a lot of energy and you want you want to feel that energy. And sticks, I'll call him, the drummer, um, he. Played in a pocket. He was a darn good drummer. I mean, phenomenal drummer. And when he played in a pocket, you felt it. Like, everybody could feel it. The kick drum just was plowing you. Uh, Anyway... So, Styx was really, really strict about tempos; he wanted them to be the record tempo, but that 's not how one louder played live one louder when we played live, we played a little on the edge of that tempo, a little bit ahead of that tempo, and that 's what created a lot of energy. so there was a couple of times where you know Dash would be like, "Hey, man, pick it up a little bit you know and that kept going back and forth and and Styx just did not like that at all, and he was just like, "Dude, I'm the drummer, leave me alone." And Dash was like, "No, no, no, come on, just a little bit more energy, a little bit more energy, a little bit, a little, bit a little bit more tempo." So we're playing at the uh, Purple Moose in Ocean City, and true story, Dash is up there and he's singing away, and I don't remember what song it was at the time. Um, I want to say it was "Here I Go Again" by White Snake, but I'm not entirely sure. But uh, Dash was just kind of like you know like using his hand to motion to sticks to play it just a little bit faster <laughs> sticks got so mad at him and he was just like done with it he was like i am done with trying to to speed up the tempos i want to play it at record tempo don't ask me to do it anymore that he actually threw his drumsticks at dash now if i'm not mistaken he missed them with both i think they both just hit the ground um Uh, to to Dash's left side and went out into the dance floor. But we all took notice, like, oh, my God. So um, needless to say, he was the first um, that we had to actually fire uh, in my era with One Louder. So I I started, I believe, around 2000, gosh, 2006-ish. Yeah, I think two thousand six ish, or even maybe a, maybe two thousand five, and I stayed until two thousand thirteen. Um, but anyway, I, I, Styx was our first person that we actually had to like let go because that just you just can't do that. You, you know, you're a professional; you just don't do that. But uh, we can laugh about it now, and hopefully, if Styx is listening, um, hopefully he's laughing at it now. Um, I've got a ton of stories like that. Um, I've got an embarrassing one for myself, so here we go. Here we go. Here's an embarrassing story. So we're playing Sonoma's, which coincidentally is the final gig for One Louder um, on – again, I told you the date. I think it was a February 12th. It's this Saturday uh, at the time of this recording. It's a few days away. Um, but anyway, w- we were playing at Sonoma's, and Sonoma's just remodeled their stage area. And what they did was they – I think there was a – there might have been some kind of weird flooring down or some kind of carpet flooring. I don't remember exactly what was there. But we came into one gig and then the floor was pristine wood floor. It was just clean. It was slick looking. It was shiny. It was like, oh my god, they want bands to play on this. So at the same time we were about to do that gig, I was debuting on – guitar I had been in the band a couple of years and I thought okay hey guys I do play a little bit of guitar I can fill out like some rhythms while Eric is doing a solo and instead of me trying to uh, make up some kind of organ sound in the background on a keyboard that doesn't you know sometimes that just takes away from the actual sound of the 80s I know some songs had it but not everything did so I wanted to do some rhythm guitar so I thought you know what if i put on that guitar i'm going to try to be wild and crazy and run around the stage and get everybody like moving and and do all kinds of crazy stuff so i'm like excited so it's the first gig with me and the guitar i put on the guitar and i think we're playing a poison song at this point um i'm trying to remember which one it was but it was a poison song and dash was standing in the center and he had his microphone stand that he liked a lot and he had his little um he had some kind of cloth hanging from it and he was kind of doing like sort of like an Axl rose kind of thing um, or Steven Tyler kind of thing. Uh, but uh, so Dash is in the center. I'm over uh, all the way if you're looking at the band, I would be all the way over to the left uh, uh, in, in kind of like in the back corner but then when I put on the guitar I want it to come out. So uh, we had our at that time, our, our our lighting guy had a sound – I'm sorry, had a uh, fog machine. <laughs> so he's running this fogger at the same time and we've got this great stage look. We have some lights. We've got the fog machine. We've got all kinds of stuff. And I look over and I see Dash and I'm going to run right over there and sing harmony with him. So I grab the guitar and I'm running over and I'm not even thinking about the fog machine actually producing moisture because most of them don't. <laughs> really pr- produce moisture. But this one particularly did. And so the floor was 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 slick. I had no idea because I had been standing behind a keyboard all night until this one point. So I go running over to Dash and I've, I've got the guitar and I'm just like plowing through chord after chord after chord. And when I go to stop right next to him, my feet slide out from underneath me I not only hit Dash, but I hit the microphone stand. Dash grabs the mic. Dash falls down on his side. I fall back on my back. (laughs) And the microphone stand falls, I don't even remember where. It just fell somewhere else. And Dash is on his back then at this point, singing into the microphone. Stop. They're right there every time we do this song. Every time, almost every time, but not every time. I was on my back playing guitar to this song. We're both on the ground at Sonoma's. If you were there, please shout out. If you remember any other details you could add to this, it was just hilarious. Um, yeah, it hurt, but you know, I didn't really care. It was like it's a rock and roll show, so I just got right up, and and so did Dash, and we were just like, oh, we meant to do that. <laughs> I think he had uh, some choice words for me uh, right afterwards, you know, but, but you couldn't hear them. (laughs) And he laughed it off. Uh, Dash always had a, you know, good sense of humor like that. So he laughed it off. And, um, and it was, it was just really, really fun. And then when I got off stage, it was like, some people were like, man, you guys really put on a great show. You're all this running around and theatrics and stuff like this. And then some people were like, are you okay? (laughs) Like, dude, did you hurt yourself? Um, So anyway, so that was kind of a fun thing. Um, You know, a couple of embarrassing stories, so to speak, um, about the band. I've got tons of them, but I'll I'll only share a few with you now. Anyway, so um, this is just part one, guys. This was more about my take on the beginning of me starting with the band One Louder. There is so much more to go through. There's our performance with... um, Foreigner and a few other opening uh, acts that we did, uh, we we played as opening for. There's a lot of friends and family stories I'm going to tell you about. We had some great times. We had some bad times. Um, There's a lot of stories I'm going to get into about, oh, yeah, girls, girls, girls. Oh, my God. So One Louder and Girls and bombs. Oh, my God. Wait for it. It's coming. Um, And also, uh, you know, former members of the band. Um, All right. I'll tell you what. I'll leave you with one last story. One last story. So I am a school teacher by day, and I was playing in this hairband by night. So it was kind of a a twist of two worlds for me, Uh, but it was a lot of fun, and I I really enjoyed my time doing this. It was was hard at times too, but um, most of the time I really enjoyed it. We were in between bass players and we had hired this guy. I'm going to call him Roland. I'm going to call him Roland. Yes. I'm going to protect. I'm going to protect the guilty here. So we're going to, I'm going to call this bass player Roland. And let's just say Roland was um, kind of more or less helping us out. I mean, he he liked playing bass, but I, I don't think that was his bag. I don't, I don't remember him ever telling me that he had been in five bands before us or something like that. I I kind of looked at it like he was just, um, you know, hey, you guys need a bass player. I happen to play bass. I'll jump in. And um, I think he liked it. I think he had a great time. He was a really nice guy at first, and, and we got along super well. So uh, we played a gig with uh, Steve Whiteman of uh, Kix, um, and he was doing a thing with his band called Funny Money. And I – I want to say there was another act there too, but I, I know that funny money was the main act. So we were opening for funny money basically. Um, I don't remember the location. I'm going to say that it was in Baltimore, but don't hold me to that because that's not important. Here's the important fun stuff. So being a teacher, I like to find the positives and things. I like to motivate. I like to educate and help and you know be part of the solution, not the problem. Well, we played this gig and Roland had a bunch of issues. Just, it was just like technical sound issues. It was bass issues. He played it not so great. Like, and his amplifier made funny noises. I mean, he just had a tough night. Now, I had been playing in bands long enough to know, you just have those. You, You just have tough nights once in a while. I've had many of them. Uh... So you just have bad nights and you, you – what happens is over time, you become professional enough that your bad nights don't look that much worse than even your best nights. So you try to close that gap, OK? So uh, Roland though, he struggled. He, he was – everything went wrong for him. I felt bad for him. He walks off to the side of the stage and no kidding, I go over to him and I just say, hey man, don't let it get to you. It's one night. It doesn't matter. Just let it go. And for some reason, that was the worst thing to ever say to this guy. He turned around and I'm not kidding. I still own the shirt. He grabbed my shirt um, right up in the front and he pulled the shirt back and he ripped off a few of my buttons and he was about to strike me. He was literally about to hit me. This is our bass player. And I was was stunned. I was like, what – you're going to hit me for what, you know, like I had no idea what had just happened in his head, but it certainly wasn't reality, which I was sitting there trying to be like, Hey man, shake it off. Let's move on. Like, like, don't worry about it. It's not a big deal. And that's how my attitude was. And that's what I said and said, all right. So anyway, he's about to hit me, but we had some really great guys, um, that always helped us, you know, with, uh, It was stage equipment and stuff like that. They were security for us. They did all kinds of great stuff for us. And I want to say it was Tim and Russ. I I hope I got this right. But uh, Tim and Russ saw this and they ran right over and they grabbed Roland and they just pulled him off of me uh, in time for Dash to have come back and seen what he had done. And literally Dash took him out and out in the street, literally out back. And I'm – fairly certain that that's when he said, you're fired, you know, don't show up for the next rehearsal or next gig or anything, you're gone. Um, I think that's how it went down, and again, I would love to have Dash on here to tell us that story from his point of view, but that's how it was to me, and I couldn't believe it, so I really think that maybe because of the noise, he misunderstood me, or I don't know, you know, people do things, people are funny, so you just got to deal with it. Um, so anyway, I'm going to end this part one there. But ladies and gentlemen, I've got so many more stories, so many funny stories. I mean stories about how wigs can be a problem, about costumes on Halloween, about how holy pants can be a real I, – I don't want to say an issue but a distraction. <laughs> I've got all kinds of stories about going to 11 and beyond. So please stick uh, stick around. Um, subscribe to this podcast so you can be notified as soon as part two drops. Uh, later on tonight, I am going to be interviewing one of our super fans. There's plenty of them, and I've been trying to reach out to as many as I can to see if they want to do a few minutes of conversation with me about the One Louder experience. So... For all of you that are One Louder fans, thank you for your time. Thank you for being there for us, for you, One Louder band members, and you want to be a part of this. Man, reach out. Let's talk. Let's, let's share some stories. Let's, let's reminisce. Um, I would love to do a roundtable se- session if we could. So, um, I got lots more to tell you guys. That'll have to wait for part two. Until then, thank you. Have a great night and check out the next Back of the Tracks.